Last week, Tom Joyner retired from radio after a 25-year run on his hit morning show. About five years ago, I had the good fortune uh, to meet Mr. Joyner and the morning show crew, J. Anthony Brown, Sybil Wilkes. At that time, I wasn't even thinking about radio, to be honest. But it's just always cool to look back, you know, at things that you may have done in your past and, you know, things that you didn't know at the time would kind of either lead you or just kind of be a point of perspective, you know, for how your life ends up. And to be clear, like Tom Joyner deserves all of the accolades and all of the well wishes as he, you know, completes uh, his retirement tour. Respectfully. Tom Joyner is now a part of the past. And as I do, um, as I'm a person in media, I have to look at not only look at the future, but I have to look at things critically. And so I have a concern. And my concern is, where do we go from here? The Tom Joyner Morning Show doesn't just represent entertainment. It doesn't just represent an icon. It represents a form of communication. It represents an important form of communication from which African-American people are empowered. They learn about politics and different things like that. Reports indicate that Ricky Smiley will actually be taking over on the Tom Jordan Morning Show. And I love Ricky Smiley, love his brand of comedy. I just have a concern on what that will mean, not only for the Tom Jordan Morning Show, but what that will mean for the Ricky Smiley Morning Show moving forward. Because those are two prominent programs that seek to empower people, albeit in different ways. Today I'm making a difference. I want to talk about vision and not only vision, but legacy. Because to me, a person's legacy isn't just about what they do in their past or what they're doing in the present. Legacy also asks and answers a very important question. Who's going to carry the baton after you leave? Um, to be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country, and to be um, relatively conscious, is to be in a state of rage, almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth, but not to make no dope. To make a difference. Yo, welcome to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Making. So glad you guys are checking in with me. Look, I know, I know, I know y'all been looking for me, man. Had so much going on. Actually taking part in a social media fast. And, you know, I told everybody on Facebook, you know, Twitter, um, IG. And shout out everybody, man. Shout out you guys who, you know, support the Making a Difference show in an amazing way. Um, you know, support it with just, you know, your, you know, comments. Uh, some of you guys support it financially. I'm forever grateful for you guys for that. Basically, I took the social media fast to get things right with the podcast and, you know, to get things right with the Making a Difference show. And what that has, you know, just that in conjunction with a lot of other different things I'm doing, doing a lot of writing these days, a lot of columns and commentaries, man. I've had the good fortune, you know, to write for ESPN, actually, and partnering back up uh, with Urban Pro Weekly uh, to actually look, just wrote a column earlier today. Man, you guys are going to love it. And, you know, I'll be writing for them. Uh, in 2020, just a lot of different things that are going on. Also, writing a couple of books. 
So actually, no, not just a couple of books now. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, looking at another look, another book, man. Just a, a lot of different ideas are coming to mind. You know, I'm seeing things and just trying to take advantage of every opportunity, and I'm very excited about that. And of course, with the Making a Different show, that also looks like just different opportunities. We're gonna have new sponsors on in 2020. Oh my gosh, I'm just so excited for. Uh, the folks who, you know, who have listened to the show, who believe in not only what we're doing here, but believe in me specifically. And so you guys will get a chance to meet them. And I absolutely want you guys to support them as you supported uh, my good friends, uh, the Doe's and what they're doing as insurance brokers. Um, what you all have done uh, for Jay Harvey, who works at Allstate. Now, just, of course, you know, um, and am indebted uh, to the businesses and to the friends and the brothers who have supported uh, what we're doing here on making a difference. And so with this episode, as I uh, stated earlier, I'm talking about 2020, really talking about vision, uh, what that looks like in media, what that looks like in politics. And so today we're going to talk about uh, Medea gets into politics. Uh, I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about the goddamn decision. <laughs> that is, of course, relating to the Democrats. And uh, we look, you guys are probably wondering, well, Ken, why didn't you lead with impeachment? And so. Uh, we will we will talk about that and, you know, we'll ask very specific questions because at the end of the podcast, I want to ask, you know, what does it all mean for you? But first. Had to do it one more time for the man, Tom Joyner, as I stated earlier, Tom Joyner. I enjoyed his last uh, episode after a 25 year run. <laughs> I mean, that's that's such a long time, man. That's crazy. It's like I was I was in middle school when he started Tom Jordan Morning Show. It was 1994. And so I would have been, what, uh, sixth grade, maybe. Well, between six and seventh grade, hard to say. And 2020 has been one of those years like people have stepped down. People have passed away. Just prominent African-Americans. You know, in all different types of, you know, genres and and fields. And every time these people have passed and I've talked to people and I've had dialogue with folks and I've said the same thing. I've been like, yo, it's our turn. Like this, like this is our time. Like understand what's going on here. There's a changing of the guard. And so what does that mean for you? What does that mean in your field? Like understand, I, you know, there's a, I think there's an inclination when people pass you know, and I think we just kind of have like this this gaudy perspective of stuff. We have this like lofty idea without understanding that like people fought for things. And so and people not only fought in past tense, but people were still fighting. And so understand when you take on these responsibilities, when you take on these roles, understand that there are conflicts that are ever present. The reason why Tom Jordan said he stepped down from radio, he said he would have kept doing radio. But every year. You know, the amount that he was getting paid, it kept getting knocked, cut in half, cut in half, cut in half, cut in half to the point where it just wasn't worth it for him anymore. Now you can say, well, man, Tom, you know, Tom, you could have kept going, could have kept doing this, kept doing that. But again, it's about passing it down. And when you look at Tom Jordan, you just look at the balance, the, the totality of his work. It's not just about the radio show. It's about. You know, the Tom Jordan Foundation and how much money they raise for historically black colleges and universities. As a matter of fact, believe when I linked up with Tom and when Tom came to the Augusta area, I want to say it was like a black college tour or it may have been a partnership with McDonald's. 
long story short, Tom Joyner had a platform where he spoke about issues that affected the black community and he raised millions of dollars to help uh, students at historically black colleges and universities. He helped black uh, kids in need and that's forever commendable. The question we have to ask now is how does that translate if you take Ricky Smiley and put Ricky Smiley on the Tom Jordan morning show? Because if you listen to morning shows such as I, and I do, if you listen to the Tom Jordan morning show, if you listen to the Ricky Smiley morning show, you understand that those are two totally different crowds. And it's funny. I was listening to Bomani Jones and his podcast, the old podcast that he does is called the right time. And he was talking about diversity, not just being about race, but diversity, you know, there's diversity among, you know, different national, different, there's diversity among the same nationalities, same race of people. So among black people, there's diversity, there's diversity in income, there's diversity in interests, you know, and just varying things like that. And so that diversity comes into play when you look at the Tom Jordan morning show, when you look at the Ricky Smiley morning show, those are two different audiences that listen to those shows. So when you say, okay, well, we're going to take Ricky Smiley's brand of comedy, which is, which can't be a crass <laughs> type of comedy is, is funny to me. It's funny to a lot of people, but how does that translate with Tom Jordan's crowd? And in the same fashion, the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, well, what's going to happen when a personality like Ricky Smiley, when someone has to replace him? So as we know, Media is about ratings. And so if your show or if these shows are not getting the ratings, then what does that mean in terms of representation? What does that mean? And more and what's more important than the representation is who's going to get the message out. And so that is a, a deep seated concern for me as I look at these two shows and I look at, and I look at the future of, of not only those shows, but of black media in general. And this is always the challenge because it seems like black media, black owned media, um, where we have uh, representative figures in media, it seems like these individuals and these entities are always under attack. And I've said this before and I've written this before. Like we have to pay attention. You know, when, when you look at institutions like the Tom Jordan morning show, when you look at the Ricky Smiley morning show, when you look at, you know, BT and who owns them, different things like that. When you, when you look at these outlets, understand if it's hard on the household names, like what chance, you know, uh, do we have like, I mean, do outlets like making a difference have what chance do, you know, smaller outlets have is that much more of a challenge to get the word out. I had a, I had a sit down conversation with someone today, uh, with a business partner actually. And I was explaining to them just some of the goals for the podcast and for some of the goals for the show. And one of the challenges, um, or one of my goals, I should say is, to make making a difference, to make this show and to be to have it to thrive independent of social media. So what does that mean? So much of what we rely on, or I can say for myself and I can say a lot of folks in media, a lot of folks rely on social media to the point where without like, and I'll just say this for your business. Like if it's whether it's media or business, ask yourself a question can or could your business survive without social media could your business survive if there was no facebook if there was no uh, twitter if there was no social if there was no instagram 
And if the answer to your question is no, then like you have a certain, you have a burden of responsibility to try to build and make sure that, Hey, if something happens in social media or something happens to social media or social media is not as lucrative, you know, as, um, it may have been, you know, in the earlier going, how do you survive? In my, in my, in, in my case, my question is, and the question I have to answer is how do I get the information out to people? If I'm not on Facebook, if not, if I'm not on Twitter and that's something that man, I have like racked my brain and have looked at different things and have really challenged myself to do. And, and trust me, you know, me, I, I've come up with solutions. Basically what it comes down to is, you know, writing down a plan, executing your plan and just continuing to build. I'm hesitant to say brand. It's not about building a brand. It's just about building and sustaining a movement. And that really is, is the essence of, of what vision is about. It starts with vision. Tom Joyner had a vision and that vision over an extended period of time became his legacy. I want to take a brief break, but when we come back, I want to talk about Medea getting into politics. You're listening to Making a Difference. What's going on, everybody? It's Knife Wonder right here, man. And you're checking out Making a Difference with my man, Ken Macon. Keep it locked. Peace. This is Donald Doe and Mike Hill Doe with Family Financial Consultants. Do you need help with Medicare, with affordable mortgage and life insurance, building an estate for your child? We provide these types of services for you and much more. As independent insurance brokers, we take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives. Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds, or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs. Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina. Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. We're back with Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I appreciate you guys checking in. I also appreciate the does, as I always say, man. Just uh, Don Doe, good brother, man. Um, uh, look, li- li- life is better for having met him, man. Just uh, glad to collaborate him, collaborate with him, you know, on uh, the Making a Different Show and other projects, man. Just uh, forever grateful. Medea gets into politics. This is something that I actually wrote about uh, in the aftermath of the Democratic debate that was held in Atlanta, specifically held at Tyler Perry Studios. And I actually wrote about this on... Uh, my uh, website, uh, my commentary is where I write a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff makes it to uh, other places. Some of it, you know, uh, stays right there on Versus and Tiles. Either way, man, it's good stuff. Uh, that's versusandtiles.com, uh, V-E-R-S-E-S and A-N-D, tiles, T-I-L-E-S, uh, com. It's kind of a play on the uh, word versatile. And so I uh, put a lot of my commentaries there. And so I wrote this piece. Uh, it was called Medea Gets Into Politics. And the idea of it was basically centered around the fact that you could have a democratic debate in a predominantly black um, city, a metropolis at that. Um, and that, you know, you in, in a city where, you know, it has just these, you know, this deep uh, civil rights history and, you know, it's still a prominent, you know, black political stronghold. Um, to have all of these things that are that just scream blackness. But yet at the specific debate, you really didn't hear about black issues. And that irked me, man. It uh, it irked the hell out of me, to be honest, man. And I'll tell you what, you know, when I wrote that piece, I 
said what I needed to say about everybody. I said what I needed to say about the Democratic Party. I said what I needed to say about black celebrity. And I will briefly go over that. But I would just look, we'd rather have you guys read it because it's just very comprehensive in a way that, I, you know, I just pinpoint and talk about these different issues. And of course, I started just with the general idea of, um, you know, this debate being held in a black city, but not speaking of black issues. And of course, now, you know, we're even looking at, you know, when you talk about black candidates, uh, Kamala Harris is, you know, already uh, dropped out of the um, uh, the race uh, for to get the uh, Democratic nomination. And it looks like Cory Booker uh, is uh, headed in that direction as well. I know he's um, wanted to say he has basically pulled, um, where are they now? Uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, I forget, but he's pulled his resources out of uh, one of those areas and is basically just trying to uh, stay afloat. But with all of that uh, in mind, the Democratic Party, had there's a serious issue. And this is not, you know, me saying, well, hey, you know, we got to run over, um, you know, to the GOP. This is uh, me saying, well, first and foremost, let me uh, let me just take it there for a second. Um, what we need and I actually heard this on The Breakfast Club and um, Umar Johnson was saying that, you know, we don't so much need a political party. We need a political union. And. I agree with that with a point, but I'm just I'm just not afraid to call stuff black. I guess I guess that's my my issue. You know, so many people are afraid to put black on something. So many people are afraid to say, hey, you know, this issue is relative to black people. Nah, bro. Everybody else gets their issues spoken to. The default in America is white. So you don't have to put white in front of something. It's understood. It's not not only is it implied, it's not only is it implicit, it's explicit. So, you know, when you're talking about stuff in the divided states of America, you're talking about white folks. But even with that, the Democratic Party does not have an issue with speaking to issues that affect LGBTQ community, does not have issues with speaking to uh, the Hispanic community, does not have issues with speaking to women. And all those things are fine, but don't take black people and then just say, hey, well, y'all just get over there with people of color. Because what happens is, is that our issues are continually pushed back and some black folks are satisfied with that. And it's evidence because we vote Democrat year after year after year after year after year. And no one ever speaks. No one speaks to those issues specifically. You may get into a general discussion about child care, you know, issues that affect all of us, not just African-Americans, but. When it comes to speaking to stuff like police brutality, you know, it that stuff kind of it gets it gets glossed over. You know, people make their talking points and then it's just like, well, let's get these black people out of here. And I think that resonates even in how African-Americans felt about Kamala Harris, how African-Americans feel about Cory Booker. And I think that's why, it, you know, they just have I mean, and of course, um, they're not Obama. <laughs> they're not Barack Obama, which. Uh, presents another issue because the Democratic Party is trying to create this. Uh, the terminology that is used is the Obama coalition. And the way I describe that is it's like a it's like a kumbaya way of trying to get uh, trying to get the black vote. It's it's different, you know, from when you have someone like a, like a Pete Buttigieg who says, well, the reason why black people don't like me is because I'm gay. And that is just I mean, just such an well, not only is it inaccurate, it's just it's in poor taste and it's a disgraceful way of trying to get the black vote. But ultimately, what the Democratic Party has to understand is that, 
you know, with the same energy that you're talking about, an Obama coalition, understand that there are African-Americans who are starting to look back at the Obama administration and what happened over those eight years and are starting to look past what Barack Obama and what Michelle Obama meant as an image, as representation. And they're actually looking at the policy and saying, well, what did we really get out of that? What how did that change? Um, my life how did that change my household how did that you know what did that mean for me in terms of you know um, opportunities and resources the racial wealth gap grew during the obama administration hbcus historically black colleges and universities had serious questions and, and challenges um, and concerns with you know the obama administration uh, their impact and influence on uh, those schools so when you talk about an obama coalition like is that just you know, more of the same. And the Democratic Party ultimately has to make a decision because the Democratic Party is much like, you know, the, the way the two party system works in this country. You know, you can profess and you can pretend to say, well, hey, we care about the people. You know, we, you know, we want to uh, break up, you know, this, uh, you know, corporate interests and blah, blah, blah. But you have a Democratic Party that and in, in, to include Barack Obama, who has said, hey, look, the party can't go too far left. Uh, yes, it can. And you have to understand where Okay, understand where we are politically. When we talk about being left, center and far right. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I, this is kind of leading into the, the goddamn decision <laughs> um, in, in terms of just some of the the candidates. Uh, who are, you know, who are up for the Democratic nomination. But the only quote unquote leftist candidate that you really have on the Democratic side is Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders is a candidate who, you know, for all of, you know, his uh, innovations and, you know, if you want to call it socialism, is a man who will not say, hey, I agree with reparations for black people. Let's just get back to this idea of Medea getting into politics, though, because I'm looking at Tyler Perry in a way where I have to ask the question of, okay, if, you know, I'm this mogul and, you know, there's, I'll, I'll put it this way. If somebody's having an event in my house and I'm calling myself hosting, I'm at least going to have some say on what's going to be on the menu. And in so many ways, like this is the failure of the politics of celebrity and the politics of celebrity is not just, a dynamic of the Democratic Party. And again, I'm, I'm talking about black folks because Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Tyler Perry, Oprah Winfrey, the politics of celebrity. But it's not a substantive politics when it comes to the social uplift of everyone, of every black person. You know, we have this thing of and of course, I would be saying this with Tyler Perry, you know, this have the haves and the have nots and. We're so used to just saying, well, don't worry about those folks down there. And we got to get out of that. But again, uh, the politics of celebrity, like I said, is not just a Democratic Party dynamic. The president. Well, I mean, he's the president. He's just was impeached. But when you talk about Donald Trump, that's the politics of celebrity. That's, you know, the apprentice and, you know, this sideshow. It's not a substantive politics. And now is a good time to talk about the goddamn decision, because. As bad as this Trump thing is, the Democrats don't have a definitive candidate that they can say, hey, we're uh, pushing all the chips behind this individual to beat Trump. Now, let's be clear about something. In my estimation, there are five candidates who are serious contenders 
to secure the Democratic nomination. And watch this very carefully. Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer, and Michael Bloomberg. I included Steyer and Bloomberg because they're billionaires. They can finance their own, you know, they can finance their own campaigns. Uh, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren uh, represent the top poll getters uh, in national polls. I don't care what's said about Pete Buttigieg in Iowa. Bruh, that, no, that guy is not getting the nomination. It's amazing how he's been able to, uh, at least for this round, has been able to stay relevant, you know, and, and stay in the media and stay in the news. Despite the fact that that guy has zero, uh, like virtually no percent of the black vote. I think maybe one or two percent. So, no, don't want don't want to hear about Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is, is a mayor, period. But the Dems have a decision to make. And the decision is, are they going to uh, protect the money? Are they going to secure corporate interests or are they going to really become a, a, a party of the people? If they're going to be a party of the people, then it comes down to Warren or Sanders. If they want to be, you know, keep it as business, business as usual, then it's going to be Biden. But understand, like if you're if you're watching these debates, if you're watching, you know, these folks on the campaign trail, Joe Biden is not a competent candidate. For any nomination. But people are going to vote for him. Why? Because he's Barack's right hand man. And the more I look at that situation and the more I look at the it's not a dichotomy because those guys, you know, were president and vice president. As I look at Joe Biden, and I look at just this bumbling history uh, that involves, you know, a relationship, uh, working relationship and an influence from Strom Thurmond, uh, the segregationists and just all of these off color comments uh, from Joe Biden. It's it's no way that you can be politically conscious and politically aware and say, hey, that's the guy that we want to secure the nomination. However you feel about Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, at least with one of those candidates, you are moving the party in the way that's toward the people. Is that going to make it leftist? Is that going to make it more socialist? So what's wrong with a politics? What's wrong with policy that helps everyone? What's wrong with people saying, hey, college costs too much. What's wrong with people saying, hey, we can there are ways to afford child care. But we've, we've gotten this idea in our heads and it's been you know drilled in by media and, and different things like that, where if you want these things, it's an entitlement. I don't I don't even engage those discussions anymore. Y'all, I don't engage the whole snap wick food stamp discussions. Because until a cap is put on corporate welfare, then I am not here and I'm not listening to, you know, well, you know, we need to get people off food stamps or all of these stipulations, you know, that go into these services. There aren't stipulations, you know, when it comes to businesses, municipalities, towns, you know, uh, politicians, everybody bends over backwards and lays out the red carpet for these corporations have the same energy for the people. And if you're not, then get out of my face. Have the courage to demand better from your government. And I've always said on this show that that starts locally. That starts with your city uh, council, your, you know, your city um, officials and your school board. 
you have to know what's going on because, hey, the school board represents the people who are caretakers of, of the future of young people. Your city council represents the day to day operations of what's going on in your city. So while, you know, and I understand, hey, everybody's worried about, you know, the impeachment and different things like that. But your political foundation should start locally. If it doesn't, then it's not sustainable unless you have a whole lot of money. Because here's the deal. You can't get the room with Trump. You're not going to get the room with, you know, these senators that we're seeing talk ad nauseum, you know, um, on CNN and, and ABC and places like that. But you can get you. You're more likely to get the audience with the local candidate. But I do want to take a break here and play some music for a little bit, because when I come back, I want to wrap this all up and ask the question, what does it all mean for you? You're listening to Making a Difference. a firm policy not to capitulate to terrorist demands that no concessions policy remains in force in spite of the wildly speculative and false stories about arms for hostages and alleged ransom payments we did not repeat did not trade weapons or anything else for hostages the mallet of the bullet, some freedom or some shit. Will we ever do it bigger? Just keep settling for look. We brag on having bread, but none of us are bakers. We all talk having greens, but none of us on acres. If none of us on acres and none of us grow wheat, then who will feed our people when our people need to eat? So it seems our people starve from lack of understanding. Cause all we seem to give them is some balling and some dancing. And some talking about our car and imaginary mansions. We should be indicted for that we inciting. Children deaf and pretending it's exciting. We are advertisements for agony and pain. We exploit the youth, we tell them to join the gang. We tell them dope stories, introduce them to the gang. Just like I love a North introduced us to in the 80s when them came on military plane. Two months ago, I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. The end of the Reagan era, I'm like level 12 old enough to understand it, it'll change forever. They declared the war like a war on terror, but what it really did was let the police terrorize whoever. But mostly black boys, but they would call us and lay us on our belly while they fingers on the boots was on our head, they dogs was on our crotches, and they would beat us up if we had diamonds on our watches, and they would take our the monies as they pick our pockets, I guess that that's the privilege of policing for some profit, but thanks to Reaganomics, prison turned to profits, cause free labor's the cornerstone of U.S. economics, cause slavery was abolished, unless you are imprisoned, you think I am and then read the 13th Amendment. Involuntary servitude and slavery, it prohibits. That's why they giving fenders time in double digits. Ronald Reagan was an actor, not at all a factor. Just an employee of the country's real masters. Just like the Bushes, Clinton and Obama. Just another talking head telling lies on teleprompters. If you don't believe the theory, then argue with this logic. Why did Reagan and Obama both go after Gaddafi? We invade the sovereign soil, going after oil. Taking countries is a hobby paid for by the oil. Same as in Iraq, and 
in Afghanistan. And I'm a dinner jar, say they coming for Iran. They only love the rich and how they love the poor. If I say any more, they might be at my door. Who the f is that? Staring in my window, doing that surveillance on Mr. Michael Rinder. I'm dropping off the grid before they pump the lid. I leave you with four words. I'm glad Reagan did. Making and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Making. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your Allstate insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706 704-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Of course, a classic track from Michael Render. You may know him as Killer Mike. Reagan, just a great political commentary that I do not pull punches. And so it shall be on Making a Difference. What does it all mean for you? So if you listen to this podcast, uh, you know that the House um, by now has impeached Donald Trump. And you're probably asking yourself, well, what exactly does that mean? Well, I'll keep it simple because here is what matters. The first thing that matters is, is that Donald Trump is still the president. Donald Trump is still eligible for reelection. And I mean, there may be a trial next year. But he's the president. Impeachment is definitely a stain on his reputation, but I mean, this is a man who ran a campaign that was shameful, that was pathetic in terms of just a a moral standard. And I mean, this guy has done everything to, I mean, really just drag the office down and has done so in the spirit of, you know, his base and being anti-establishment. The question you have to ask yourself and the question that Democrats are asking themselves is. Can this guy win reelection with everything that's happened? The answer is embarrassingly, yes. And I say embarrassingly because you have to understand who we have here is a president who did not secure the popular vote. Does not have an approval rating over 50 percent. He is not the people's choice. And yet we're sitting up here waiting and wallowing through a process that will not eliminate Donald Trump as the president. It's also worth mentioning that all of this is happening while 
the Democrats are trying to secure a candidate um, or rather a, a candidate is trying to secure the Democratic nomination. It's it's a big mess. I contended and, you know, I've said this, that if you're going to impeach, you should have impeached a long time ago. The Dems dragged this out. They played hokey pokey with this thing. And I mean, as soon as I'm trying to think, I'm trying to create a think about a timeline here. But Nancy Pelosi has said that, or rather, I should say that she said initially that impeachment would divide the country. Yet here we are. And I, I always laugh when people say, you know, this will divide the country because the country's already divided. The country is so uh, hyper partisan now with Democrat and Republican and conservative and liberal. And really what these political and ideo ideological differences have done is they have, you know, basically done what they've always done in America, which is not giving black people a voice or has tried to box black people out of their process. And that's why when I say, what does it all mean for you or what does it all mean for me? Here's what I have to deal with. I'm native to Augusta, Georgia. Augusta, Georgia uh, dealt with some rampant flooding in the area, and that's nothing new to Augusta. If you are familiar with Augusta, Georgia, not because of that golf tournament, but just of some of the conditions of Augusta, you know that when it rains, it pours in Augusta and the flooding is atrocious. So the flooding is one thing, you know, it, um, you know, creates safety concerns and, you know, it just can jam up traffic and different things like that. But there is an added element to some flooding that happened recently. 1.4 million um, gallons of sewage has been dumped into Augusta's riverways and, you know, through neighborhoods. It's it's a nasty situation. I actually just wrote a commentary on it. And the title of it is um, I'm tired of Augusta's uh, S and you can fill in the rest <laughs> in Aiken. I'm watching the fallout from a superintendent, a black uh, man who was a superintendent who had the uh, district trending in the right direction, but there was a uh, political and social interest in uh, basically undoing the work that this man had done. And it was successful. What I'm saying is this, if you're paying attention to local politics, if you're paying attention to the stuff that's going on in your backyard, the fight is going on in your neighborhood. There are political and social challenges in your neighborhood. Things that you can speak up about, that you can inform and tell your neighbors about, hey, what's going on here? And you can challenge the people in your communities, in your towns to do better. You can challenge people on your school boards to do better. And we can't let the previous excuses that we've made deter us from taking on these challenges. Well, hey, I'm working so many hours a week or, you know, I really don't have time for that because of my kids. Because here's what you have to understand. The issues that you neglect in the present, your kids are going to have to deal with in the future. That's exactly what happened in Augusta. The flooding and the sewage and these type of things happen because Augusta, the city of Augusta has... Uh, forsaken its infrastructure for decades. And as usual, when these issues are not resolved, residents are the ones holding the bag. And with that, I want to share with you guys a, a new tagline. Because, of course, you know, we call this making a difference, and this is the Mad Show. But I just want to ask you something. And I'm serious, man. Are you mad enough? Are you mad enough with the stuff that's going on around you? 
to make a change? Or are you just going to type a few sentences in your phone, hit send, and that's the end of your revolution? That's what we're going to talk about on the next episode of Making a Difference. Is this the end of the revolution? Prove me wrong. Prove yourself wrong. You can make a difference. There are things that we can do in our communities to turn the tide. You guys will hear from me very soon. Just want to thank you all for listening. As always, please follow the podcast, uh, soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. You can also follow us on iTunes and Spotify. I want to encourage you to financially support black media. You can do that uh, for one time donation to cash app. It's dollar sign making a different show. That's dollar sign M A K I N A difference show. Look, I know you guys got a lot going on with the holidays, man. You guys are you know trying to top some last second things. If you have a little bit to send to make it uh, to send our way, we'll forever be grateful. Let me tell you what you're making investment in. You're making investment in not only in black media, but you're making investment in black independent media because I just told you guys, hey, we're trying to rise above social media um, stratosphere and we want this thing to be independent. We want you to be able to come to making a difference dot com. We want you to be able to send emails and you can send emails to Gmail, making a difference show at Gmail dot com. I don't want you guys to be able to send emails to info at making a difference show dot com. Those things we're working on, but we cannot make those things happen without you all support. And with that, I'm Ken making, you know, I love you guys so much, man. Peace and God bless. The revolution will not be televised. <laughs> you see, a lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place will not be televised.